Hebrews 13, 17 to 24. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us with what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation, for in fact, I have written to you quite briefly. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. If he arrives soon, I will come with you to see with him to see you. Greet all your leaders and all the Lord's people. Those from Italy send you their greetings. Let me pray and then I'm going to hand over to Maffi. Father, thank you for the book of Hebrews. Thank you, Father, for how you've spoken to, to, uh, through it to us. Thank you that it has been a timely word for us at this strange uh, season we're going through. And we pray now you be with Maffey as he speaks and give him clarity of thought and, uh, and bless us as we listen. Give us open ears and open hearts in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, guys, I'm Maffey. I'm on the staff team here at Christ City Church. And it's really good to be with everyone today. It was also such a privilege and honor to get to serve full time on the staff team. So what a joy. Anyway, guys, um, as you can probably see on the PowerPoint, I'm sure some of you are cringing or maybe even feeling uneasy looking at the title, wondering where is he even going to go with us today? Who is he speaking to? And who is he to be speaking of being so inexperienced? And what qualifies him to talk about leadership and authority? Well, guys, whether I'm speaking to the CEO or whether I'm speaking to my old role at the customer service advisor, GIFGAF, whether it's a big cog or a small cog in the machine, I think we can all find common ground that we either have or have had a problem with authority at some stage and even a natural tendency to rebel. So without a doubt, authority is a problem in church life too. There's no denying it often because it's non-existent, and then occasionally it's because it's, it's heavy-handed. And so there, there are some objections to, to leadership. I get that. There are objections to authority. I get that. I worked for GIFGAF for seven years under the authority of others. I saw the, the real beauty in it, and I saw the absolute tragedy in it as well. So I, I'm, no, I'm no stranger to objections to leadership. So here, here are two we'll quickly look at and, and get out of the way before we enter the text. So first of all, you've got non-existent, non-existent leadership. The frustrations from non-existent leadership is we we really don't know where we stand. We're unsure of of how we fit into the bigger picture. Perhaps we don't even know the bigger picture. There's a lack of discipline. There's a lack of healthy confrontation and even a, a lack of healthy conflict. Or there's a lack of personal development where it leaves us less equipped to do our own role well. Non-existent leadership is so frustrating. It results in in our role um, causing us to be stagnant at best and at worst could be total burnout. You'll never fulfill your potential. The leadership is like a wet fish. There's no real backbone. If they won't stand for something, they'll end up falling for anything. So non-existent leadership exists. We see that. And then there's heavy-handed 
leadership and the frustrations are just the same. There's a lack of delegation. They're thinking that, that these people are best suited to each task. Some leaders see themselves as indispensable. They're unable to give away control, which then creates a bottleneck, doesn't it? They're even driven by selfish ambition. And then off that, we can see an abuse of power, suddenly asserting dominance, creating an ethic of vying for the top, building upon each person. This heavy-handed leadership is usually me-centric. And then the results of that is, is it leads to a rat race to climb the ladder at whatever expense, whether it's your colleagues, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your, your life even. And another result is that you're not be given the opportunity to see what if. You not have the opportunity to feel forward. You not have the opportunity to learn, to grow. You'll be stifled and, and in fact you'll be left wanting as others soar at your expense. So guys, maybe some of these sound familiar. Maybe there's a couple of these that you really resonate with that's currently making your blood boil. Well, while your blood is boiling, I just I want to bring you back to earth. I want to ground it. Maybe some of these sound familiar. I want to tell you, we live in a broken world. We live in a broken world. So naturally, this brokenness is played out in leadership and in authority across all levels, across all spheres of influence, whether it's education, whether it's workplace, it could be sports, and yes, the church. We've all saw poor leadership. We've all saw unhealthy authority. And guys, we may well have been the culprits. Again, this isn't a talk where we're, where we're simply about the other person, where it's the other person's fault, but this could be and probably has been us at some stage. So we, we pick up with another of these, these short, snappy PS points today. Remember last week we had, we had five of them. We're going to have another one today. The writer to the Hebrews has already said in Hebrews 13, 7, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And then now again, in verse 17, the writer reiterates the same word and he says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would have been no benefit to you. Church, the New Testament never envisages private Christianity. You can see the explosion of the church in the book of Acts and relationship with God going hand in hand with the local church. Guys, if we are to go on in faith, we cannot do so outside of the local church. That's why the author counseled the Hebrews to place themselves under the authority of godly leaders. It would have been a horror for him to consider a believer who is a law unto themselves, the kind you're actually accountable to no one. And maybe that was you at a stage, maybe that's you now. A law unto yourself, accountable to no one, floating from church to church, not actually being under any leadership. Again, maybe you're cringing at the idea of placing yourself under the authority of somebody else. Perhaps authority is a negative word in your upbringing. Maybe the figures and authority in your life have been harsh, they might have been unfair. They may have been restrictive. And then maybe for others, maybe you haven't had figures of authority in your life. You actually haven't had somebody truly care for you in the way that you would have liked. So even in spite of either experience, God tells us here to honor our leaders, to have confidence and to submit to those in authority. As you might ask, Math, what, what does that mean? So what does it mean to submit to our leaders? I, I want to give you three quick little points here. What does it mean to submit to your leaders? Well, first of all, it's a God-given responsibility. 
As disciples of Jesus, we have a responsibility of our own to submit to our leaders. We must allow ourselves to be led, to be taught, to be cared for. And guys, it's not negotiable. It's not optional. There's no such thing as a lone Christian. There's no such thing as a, the kind of Christian where I've got Jesus, that's all I need kind of Christian. It's not biblical, it's not healthy, and it flies in the face of the emergence of the church after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Guys, we've each got a role to play in the model that God laid out for his people in the New Testament. Is that of a group of leaders who would look after the flock? And so our English word pastor, a lot of you, most of you would have heard of this word pastor. Our English word pastor literally translates as shepherd. So we've got a God-given responsibility to come under the care of shepherd leaders. And secondly, it's good for our heart. Submitting to your local church leadership says a whole lot about your heart. It may indeed be something that we have to do, but we shouldn't be doing it out of compulsion. And submission, it reveals whether we're teachable. It reveals whether we're humble. It actually reveals whether we're in line with a biblical view of leadership. It reveals what we think about authority. And when we're able to come under the authority of, of, of another, are we able to do it or not? If you can come under the authority of an employer who pays your wage, but not the pastor who helps care for your soul, well, what does that indicate about where your priorities and desires lie? And so it's good for a heart because it means to allow yourself to be cared for. It means to allow yourself to be known, to expose the darkness and to bring it to light. And bring, to bring to light actually your walk with Jesus, however fragile or rigid or even sweet it is. So guys, just a quick note for those aspiring to leadership. It is important that you be the leader you would like to follow. There's no point in trying to lead people in a way that you yourself will not follow. The author tells us that we must not forget that those who teach, those who lead and care for the church is facing awesome responsibility. The picture of what godly leadership should look like is one of tireless care. They must do so knowing that God will demand an account one day. Christ City Church, your leaders will one day give an account for how they have cared for, shepherded, and nurtured you. No wonder James warns us that those who aspire to be teachers of God's people must face and must be prepared for a stricter judgment than what other Christians will receive. Guys, you, you, you may be under the authority of, of your leaders, but mark my words, your leaders are under the authority of God first and foremost. And so thirdly, all authority then comes from being under authority. In Luke chapter 7, there, there's this incredible moment. There's a Roman centurion whose servant was on his deathbed. So the Roman centurion's servant is on his deathbed. He's in a bad way. And the centurion sends some of the church leaders to Jesus to ask him to come. To ask him to come and heal him. And there's this incredible moment when, when the centurion then sends some of his friends with this word, he, and it says that in Luke chapter 7, he was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to him, to him. Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I didn't even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed, for I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I, I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Church, the Roman centurion 
recognise that Jesus' authority came from being under authority. Just as his own authority as a centurion to give commands came from being under the Roman authority, so Jesus' authority comes from being under the authority of the Father. So it is with your leaders today. Your leaders, church, are under authority. The authority they carry is not their own, but instead it comes from heaven. The leaders of Christ City Church lead from a place of submission to the Father. They lead from their knees in prayer, not from the platform of preaching. Do you get that? They lead from their knees in prayer, not from the platform of preaching. Your leaders are first followers of the ultimate leader. Your shepherds are first the sheep to the chief shepherd. Your leaders are called to lead from a place of following. Do you see it? So let's look at a servant-hearted leader. What does a servant-hearted shepherd leader look like? If you can say that real fast, that'll be incredible. A servant-hearted shepherd leader. Guys, our ultimate example of leadership is a plain man, is a basic, is a basic man, yet with a style that goes completely against the grain of our modern mindset. Where we would say accumulate, he says give. Where we say avenge, he says forgive. Where we say harbour, he says let go. Where we expect service, he gets down on our knees. He had no servants, yet they called him master. He had no degree, but yet they called him teacher. He had no medicines, but they called him healer. He had no army, yet kings feared him. He won no military battle, yet he conquered the world. He committed no crime, yet they crucified him. He was buried in a tomb, yet he lives today. Jesus is our servant king, the most beautiful model of self-giving leadership that you'll ever see. Jesus is our servant-hearted shepherd leader. And he says these words in John chapter 10, verses 11 to 17. It's going to come on the screen. Read it with me. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired man and he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheepfold. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Guys, the ultimate leader says here he has authority to lay down his life and to take it up again. But he goes on even further and he says, this command I received from my father. Jesus is in submission to the father and he models a beautiful relationship. Not the, not the laissez-faire or not the heavy-handed leadership, but instead we see an authority that causes the other one to flourish. Of all the animals mentioned in the Bible, the sheep is the most frequently mentioned. Sheep are animals completely dependent on their shepherds who were responsible for protecting the flock against predators, responsible for providing shelter and pastures to graze. And so in short, the shepherd was a provider, the shepherd was a protector, the guide and the authority. Above all church, the shepherd was a constant companion to his sheep. And so here is Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. 
The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And so we look at the servant-hearted shepherd leader and we say that Jesus is a servant-hearted shepherd leader. He is the one who stoops to wash feet, but also the one who sets leaders in place and directs others to submit in obedience to them. Jesus models to us how church leaders are to lead from a place of submission. Guys, your, your leaders are following or and are leading from a place of submission. In your lives, so should you. Not all of you will become leaders in the church. Not all of you will be leaders in your community or the workplace, but you all have a responsibility to lead yourselves and your loved ones. So in a sense, this message isn't for leaders, and it's not just about submitting leaders, it's actually for all of us. Jesus is your ultimate model, and the one who makes you able to submit to your church leaders. Do you hear that? He's the one who makes you able to submit to your church leaders. The servant-hearted shepherd leader does not ask something of others they're not actually willing to do themselves. The servant-hearted shepherd leader should always bear the brunt of persecution first, should be the first to take ownership and the last to take praise. The writer here has been in prison. The writer here has been under persecution. The writer here has had a torrent time of it. And he doesn't, he doesn't beat around the bush. So he doesn't ask something of themselves that they're not willing to do. But and they're also willing to be vulnerable and to be known first. Taking that first stand that others might feel safe to do so. Guys, being in leadership can feel like a lonely place. And so without the right support, as the leader's lives are constantly under the spotlight with more intense and scrutiny, and, and that's rightly so. So it's key that the right support and the right structures are there. Guys, just this past week, there's a, a young pastor from America whom many would have looked up to. Well, he, he struggled with past failures, and he, he took his life. He, he took his life only a couple of days ago. He, he struggled with past failures, and only a couple of weeks ago, he candidly expressed in an interview these moral failures in his life in an interview for the podcast, and they took his life on Friday. It's incredibly sad. I woke up on Friday morning, and it was the first thing I saw on Twitter. It was unbelievable. A young pastor that takes his life, he, he had moral failures, and he repented, and he had been restored and brought back. But he took his life, and he, and he talked in this podcast about being part of a group of, of young pastors who became celebrities with book deals, with speaking gigs, fame and money, but with little spiritual maturity. It was a recipe for disaster, he said. He said this early success led to an obsession with keeping up his image rather than his soul. I was spending a lot of energy creating and sustaining my image. It's so subtle, he said, I'm trying to influence people for the gospel. You have to have a social media presence. You have to speak at, at conferences. And this is the key. He said, eventually, he said he eventually became isolated from many of his old friends when he was pastoring. I stopped pursuing friendships, he said. Another way to say that, I stopped being known. And that was the beginning of the end. Church, there's so much to learn from this tragedy. The two things I want to stress is that our leaders must lead from vulnerability in a place of being known. But yet we also have a responsibility to obey them and to come under their authority to lift them up in prayer, to honour them in our lives and honour them in the decisions that we make. When we understand what the servant-hearted shepherd leader sacrifices for their flock, we should be more alert to pray for and support them in whatever way we can. That their vulnerability and their being known by us 
will actually be received with abundant grace and mercy from us. So nextly, the servant-hearted shepherd leader is, is not actually the chief, but as the sheepdog. It's not actually a chief, but instead a sheepdog. If you look at verse 18, Hebrews 13, verse 18, it says, pray for us. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. Guys, the writer to the book of Hebrews, the writer to the church here is saying that he is still broken. He is still susceptible and he still needs to be lifted up in prayer more than anyone. And so when someone becomes a, a, a leader or so when someone becomes a shepherd, they don't become the chief. They don't become the one with it all together. Guys, our leaders are prone to falling. Our leaders are prone to failing. Our leaders are prone to wandering. Guys, every godly leader that I know could say with conviction these incredible words, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Guys, if you're struggling to submit to your leaders, I want to ask, how often are you praying for them? I can guarantee you this, your ability and your desire to submit to your leadership will be directly proportional to the extent that you pray eagerly for them. And nextly, do not assume the role of celebrities. You know, your, 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 your servant-hearted shepherd leader does not assume the role as celebrities. They're servants. Guys, it's easier to actually to stand at the front than to stoop and to wash feet. It's easier to preach to large crowds than to spend time with the one. It's easier to pray in the public eye where we can all see than it is to pray for our people in private. Church, your leaders lead and shepherd you because they love God and care for his flock. Church, their goal is to care for the flock and to bring the flock, the local church, Christ City Church, into a living, vibrant relationship with the chief shepherd, Jesus. And this can only be done when those in the church come under the authority of their leaders. And so guys, we're going to take a short break now and we're, we're, going, to, we're going to pray. I, I, I want to bring Katie along and she's going to pray for us as a church and she's going to pray for the leaders. Let's pray now. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for your church. Thank you that you have called each of us out of darkness and into your glorious light. Thank you that you saved us into a community of people and bind us together by the indwelling presence of your Holy Spirit. Thank you that we are one body and that you, Jesus, are our head. Thank you that the reason each of us belongs to this body is simply through faith in Christ Jesus alone. Thank you that although one, we have different roles to play and at the foot of the cross, we are all equal and you have no favorites. Forgive us when we compete against each other, when we judge one another, when we do not love one another with the love of Christ. Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit that we might prefer one another. Might this church be a place where all are welcomed because you first welcomed us, where all are cared for because you care intimately for each of us. For we are encouraged to use our gifts because they are given from you. Might it be a place where we speak the truth and love to each other and where our words are backed up by our deeds. Father God, we thank you for the leaders in our church. Thank you for this calling you have placed on each of their lives and for their obedience in following where you have led them. Thank you for their willingness to serve you by serving us for our good. We ask that you would sustain them by growing them deeper in the grace and the knowledge of you, Lord Jesus, our servant King. Father, being a leader can at times be lonely, 
So we ask, Lord, that there would be good support and teamwork between our leadership and staff teams. Might they communicate well with one another. Grant them wisdom to delegate and also give them bold dreams to dream, all from your hand. Father, we ask that you would strengthen our leaders in their own walks of faith with you. Lord, lead them not into temptation. Awaken them to any weak spots in their spiritual armour and might they run back to you again and again for further strengthening and protection. Might they seek and be willing to receive wise counsel from other Christians who might pray with them, stand with them and share burdens with them. And Father, help us as a church to know how to serve our leaders well. Help us to pray for them, to love them and to obey them. Father, where our hearts are proud, please would you humble us so that we willingly submit to their leadership and guidance, especially if our personal preferences or ideas are different to theirs. Help us to love you by submitting to them as we remember how Jesus submitted to the Father's will, though it meant death on a cross. Father, might our leaders be so full of you, so full of your love and your kindness and your grace, that it is a joy to serve and obey them. Might they be shepherds of your flock who are guided by you, the good shepherd. We acknowledge that they too are only human and are in the process of being transformed into the likeness of Christ, just like the rest of us. So Father, we ask that you would help us to be quick to forgive any wrongs, just as we ask that they would be quick to forgive our sins against them also. Thank you for the advisory board who also support the church leaders. Please grant them insight and godly counsel, especially as together they seek your will and decisions about future leadership structures. Open their eyes to your will for this church and help them to have teachable hearts. Might our leaders be as equally willing to take risks for you as they are ready to wait and be still before you. Lord, we thank you for enabling Maffi and Vanessa to come on as full-time staff and the move towards Steve being more so. Grant us generous hearts which are moved to give to you, Lord, from our finances so they might be provided for. Thank you that those who preach the gospel among us are worthy of this provision. Help us to treasure them and to reflect that with our giving. We also pray for Ola as she recovers and looks after baby Theo. Please grant them healing, recovery and rest. We pray for Martina that you will grant her wisdom as she thinks about when to head back to Canada. And we pray that you will bless Tim and those on the new trustee board as they step into these positions. Please would you fill them with your spirit and grant them comfort. Please bless them. So Lord, strengthen us, your church. Might we remember your example, King Jesus that the path to greatness in the kingdom of heaven is the path of humble, sacrificial love and service. Fill each of us with your Holy Spirit, empower our leaders, whilst also raising up others for the future, so that we, the people of your inheritance, might be more and more ready for the glory that awaits us as your bride. For the praise of your glorious name, King Jesus. Amen. We're going to jump jump back here now for another 10 minutes and jump straight into Hebrews 13 verses 20 and 21. So they'll be on the slide and it says, Now may the God of peace, now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Guys, it's, it's incredible. God is described here as the God of peace. 
which is just incredible considering that it's mankind's nature to be hostile or in total opposition to God. But yet the message of the gospel, however, is that God is willing to be reconciled to rebellious humans. That's the message of the gospel. The writer to the Hebrews has been at pains for 13 chapters stressing that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for all of humanity was fundamentally better and more thorough than the sin offerings that the priest made once a year to cover Israel's sins. Jesus' sacrifice was once and for all, never again needing to be repeated to not only remain the the, the blemish of sin from our our, our records, the blemish of sin from our records is completely wiped, completely gone, completely gone because what Jesus has done. So he removes the blemish, but he also draws us into relationship with the living God. On the cross, Jesus cried, uh, Tedalestai, which means it is finished. That's That's an Aramaic word. It's my only Aramaic word. So that's another language conquered. It means it is finished. It's a commerce term meaning paid in full or your debt has been completely wiped. Guys, Jesus achieved what the old covenant's offerings could not. He defeated death and he offers the hope of eternal life to all who put their trust in him. Guys, with a forceful reminder that God can only be at peace with men and women because Jesus, the great high priest of his people, also became the sacrificial lamb who paid the price for their sins. That's why the, the gospel is good news to Hebrews and to us today. Jesus took the wrath of God upon himself at the cross so that we didn't have to. So for this reason, we, we need not recoil away from God, but what, rather we have an opportunity to come into his presence, confident of his welcome. So guys, your personal standing with God can only be assured by what you do with us. Each of us has got a response to make in light of this. The most important decision that we'll ever make in our lives is not actually job-related. It's not marriage-related. It's not location-related, but it is Christ-related. What will you do with Jesus? An old hymn writer, Isaac Watts, puts it very, very well in this old hymn. He says these words, you see them on the screen. Where the whole realm of nature mine, that were an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Church, Isaac Watts considered that if he had everything in all of creation, even that would be too feeble an offering. So he determines that this Jesus, this Messiah, is deserving of his soul, his life, his all. And so it is with us. The cross of Christ demands a response from us all. Your leader's primary end is to bring you into relationship with King Jesus. Each of us has got a response to make today. And you know, perhaps you've been burnt by authority. Perhaps you're skeptical about leadership, skeptical about the church even. Maybe in your past experience, you've, you've, you've not saw the actions of your leaders line up with the words of your leaders. Can I encourage you to put your trust in Jesus, the ultimate leader? the one who won't let you down, the one who assigns value to you, the one that gives you worth and dignity. As as Paul says these words, follow me as I follow Christ. So I'm encouraging you to to follow your church leadership as they follow Christ and then give grace to their brokenness as they care for the flock. So what are you going to do with with Jesus? What are you going to do with Jesus, the servant-hearted shepherd king? 
And so, you know, as, as we close the series, I want to ask, how will you respond whenever turning back seems a more attractive option? When the heat comes, will you be found running to Christ or will you be found running from him? We saw that Jesus is greater than Moses. He's greater than the angels. He offers a better sacrifice, an eternal sacrifice. He inaugurated a better covenant with better promises. He's the one who sustained the heroes of the faith. And he's the one who promises to sustain you through thick and thin until you take hold of an eternal city. That's Hebrews 1 to 12. We've saw it all. Every angle is covered. The Hebrews are without excuse. And so today, and so today, if you're struggling to persevere in the faith, what is it that you don't believe about Jesus? At what point is he unable to meet your needs or satisfy you? Is it possible that in this time of lockdown, that this lockdown has revealed some misplaced desires? Is left us lost and wanting for things that our previous privilege had afforded us? What changes will it mean? What changes will it mean if we take God at his word and make Jesus number one in our lives? How's that going to hit our heart? How's that going to hit our pocket? How's it going to hit our mind? How's it going to hit our speech? We're coming into a season here at Christ City Church where, where we're going to be looking at the life of David which will invariably mean gazing into the inner life, the heart behind what each of us do. And so guys, I, I, I urge you even just to listen back to this message. What would it mean if we take Jesus and God at their word and make them number one in your lives? And maybe you're here today and maybe you're tuned in and you're actually not a follower of Jesus. You've never made a commitment to him. You've come to church before and you've heard the message, but you've never actually made the commitment. I want to give you the opportunity to do so today. There's no time like the present. Following Jesus means making him Lord of your life. It means handing over the reins to him. It means coming under his authority. It means coming under the authority of his leading because he is the only access to God. He is your only access to God. He is the only way to God. Good works won't get you there. Turning up to church won't get you there. Community service won't get you there. Guys, your generosity to the homeless in the streets of Dublin will not get you there. Good? No, it is. The only way to get to God is to come into relationship with him through his son, Jesus. For 13 chapters, we've stressed how Jesus is greater than anything the world has to offer. And so as we come to a close today, I want to extend the same opportunity to anyone who would like to become a Christian. Anyone who would like to become a follower of Jesus. Guys, if that's you, please use the chat function after the last song. Select private message to Maffe or Steve. Drop us a message and we would love to introduce you to relationship with Jesus. The one who redefines leadership. The one who redefines authority. The one who considers you of such immense value that he would die for you. Where you're at, can I encourage everyone to close your eyes? I'm going to pray. We're going to sing our last song. Jesus, I thank you that you're the one that redefines leadership, the one that redefines authority. I thank you, Jesus, that, uh, that you were in submission to the Father, that even though it's, it was going to cost you your life, you still submitted to his leading, you still submitted to his authority. I thank you, Jesus, that in submitting to that authority, you were able to bring us life through your death and resurrection. And so, Father, we, we resolve to submit to you. 
Father, may it be possible for us to first of all to submit to you and then be able to submit to our leaders, Jesus, in your name. Holy Spirit, come transform our lives to such a degree where we are able to submit to our leaders and submit to godly leadership in your name. Amen. Amen.